Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Diego and DeVore show. And they pulled somebody up from the grave, Derek Flair. And here I am to tell you that you're in the right place whenever you see the Diego and DeVore show on your screen. You are in the right place, and it's going to be big woo tonight. This is Richard Tyson on the Diego and DeVore show. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, John Washington, the man that is 100% too legit for you. And make sure that you watch the Diego and DeVore show on iHeartRadio. All right, this is Pitbull Johnny Kidd, and you're catching us live on the Diego and DeVore show right here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The Diego and Divorce Show, yeah, you're talking about pure entertainment, yeah, make sure that you check out the podcast, yeah, dig it? Welcome to another episode of the Diego and Divorce Show, brought to you by Invicta Watches and Rogue Energy on Anchor.fm. Also streaming wherever you find your favorite wrestling podcast, whether it be iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. With your host, Diego De La Rosa, and Lord Everett DeVore as we talk all things wrestling, untold road stories, and bring you stories about guys and gals you might not have heard about, and what's to come. So step inside that squared circle with us as we take you on a fun field ride. All right, here we go with another episode of the Diego and DeVore Show. Diego, how the hell are you doing, brother? (laughs) Man, I'm doing pretty good, you know, and I'll tell you why. It's going to be a little bit long-winded. I'll try to be as quick as I can. You know, you know, all those years you and I were on the road and planning our trips, putting the matches together, then later as promoters, setting up the events, the matches, all that stuff with the commission. You thought that took like an act of God to get things going. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, it's nothing compared to getting plans for a wedding. Oh, my God, man. (laughs) I know why you're sweating that day. I'm like, Take it easy. You're like, no, no, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. You have the easy part. You just stand there and wait. You you would have thought so. I had to make calls today, and I just stopped oh. the people on the phone. I said, here, talk to my fiance because I have no clue what she wants. So God bless you, brother. <laughs> so anyway, get through it, man. We I, got faith. That's, hey, yeah, thank you. And, uh, man. But that's how I'm doing, man. How, how you've been? I've seen you in a while. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting week. It was a long week, uh, but uh, thank God we made it through another week. And I'm excited for our guest today. Uh, this is actually a reshoot uh, because yeah. the internet gremlins killed us the last time. So uh, we're very honored <coughs> and happy that he was willing to come back and uh, do this again with us. So without any further delay, the man... The legend, the myth, Duke, the dumpster Jerosi, brother. How are you? Oh, yeah. All right, my brothers. I appreciate you having me once again. And as Razor Ramon used to say, uh, when an enhancement guy flubbed one of his moves, he would look dead at the hard camera and go, take two. (laughs) So here we go. (laughs) Do it again. Doing it again. It's all good. So, so uh, it'll, it'll be a sort of like a recap because we had a pretty lengthy conversation last time, but you know we can definitely get into it again. I think now with what uh, Lord Divorce said, we're done with the gremlins, uh, the storms are over, so now we should have a clear line of communication. Yeah, yeah, and I've slept since then, so I forgot everything. So it'll be fresh and new <laughs> to me because I'm getting senile in my old age. So uh, don't you worry about it. You just you just go ahead and ask away the same, same questions. There we, we all go. Need to be. So let's get right into it. Tell us about your journey. What made you want to get into this wonderful business? Yeah. Um, you know, I was a fan of wrestling growing up in, in Florida. I watched championship wrestling from Florida. Uh, you know, the likes of Kevin Sullivan, Dusty Rhodes, Barry Windham, Blackjack Mulligan, you know, all those people. And uh, that's what I grew up on. 
you know, 70s and the 80s. Um, and as I kind of was growing up, I would, I would got, became more and more interested in wrestling. And my dad took me to go see WrestleMania 1 uh, in an arena in Miami uh, on a closed circuit television. And we went to see, and I just remember, <clears throat> it just seemed about that time at WrestleMania 1 is when they really started pumping New York TV into Florida. That's the first time I really started to see Vince's TV. And I noticed it was something different. And I really got excited about all the hype behind the uh, main event, you know, the Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff main event with Cindy Lauper involved. And, and I think that's what got a lot of people into it. But I just remember sitting there watching that particular match in, in an arena with a bunch of, you know, thousands of other people on this huge screen. And I just, I stood up at one point and I looked at my dad and I go, that's what I want to do. I want to be, I want to be a professional wrestler. And uh, that's where the journey started. I was uh, in high school at that time and uh, I was wrestling on the wrestling team. And uh, at the end of the season, we had a fundraiser and a lot of the Florida wrestlers, we brought in the championship. It was the dying days of championship wrestling from Florida, right when Atlanta was taking it over, WCW and everything. But they came in and did a fundraiser for us in our gym to raise money for the wrestling team. And we got to walk them to the ring as security. That's pretty but cool. During, yeah. And during the course of that time, my dad asked around where there was a, a place to learn. And uh, Tyree Pride was wrestling on that show, the, the Haitian sensation. And he said he had a guy... Bobby Wales that was training people out of a warehouse in Opelika, Florida, which was right up the road. And uh, I went there and started training, you know, and uh, me and Norman Smiley, he came through our school and uh, a few other guys. And we used to just show up and wrestle in the warehouse, man. And that's where I learned. Awesome. Yeah, he did a lot of international time, too. So he's learned a lot of different styles. <clears throat> and he, he wrestles very well in all of them. Uh, so, yeah, he is an excellent wrestler. Uh, I know he had a lot of comedy and all that when he was in WCW. But yeah. um, he is an accomplished wrestler, obviously. And they know that. That's why they hired him to uh, train in their training facility for WWE. So, yep. Hey, so, speaking of Norman, you remember, and I won't get into too much details. So... He told us the story one day on the road, and if we ever get Norman on here, he told us the actual story of the origins of the the behind story on the Big Wiggle. <laughs> Which I, I I don't know if he ever told you, but he told us. I don't know if we would believe him. He was ribbing us, but it was one hell of a story. I don't know the origins of the Big Wiggle, but I've got a story about him real quick that it might be where it originated. Uh, I, th I swear to God, I think he was a gigolo. Because every time we would have a wrestling practice in the warehouse, <laughs> he pulled up in another BMW, Mercedes-Benz, or something else with some old lady driving him there. So I said, this dude's got sugar mamas. He, I swear he was a gigolo. And that's how he paid for his wrestling school. I swear that had to be the way. Because uh, he was very well built and a very good looking guy. And uh, he, these older women were, were driving him around and taking care of him. So Norman Smiley, the gigolo. Yeah, the lost I, gimmick. The only I, thing I I'll say about that, that is, yeah, the only thing I'll say about that is he blamed it all on Hoovy. So I'd Hoovy. say <laughs> everybody blames everything on Hoovy. <laughs> so how did you come up with the 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 gimmick that would eventually make you famous? And did you go through any gimmicks before that? When I was very young, I'd say after about six months of training, I did my first match. Interestingly, my first match, I wrestled for the AWA when they came down to Florida. Uh, after Vern Gagne, I believe it sold it, or I guess he sold it to the Savoldis because it became the AWA ICW, or ICW AWA. And he still had a lot of the AWA stars like Zabisco and Bachwinkle and Boris Zukov and Adnan Alcasey and, and all these guys <clears throat> that were still on the road. And uh, I was 18, I think 18 years old, 18, 19, and I wrestled uh, as Mean Mike Casey. And strangely enough that 
I went to a school called Killian High School. Started with a K. The Killian Cougars, KC. And I had this green shirt. That was our color. I wore to practice all the time. And I had a K and a C on it for my school. And Bobby Wales goes, that's your name, Mean Mike Casey. He just pulled it out of his ass one day at practice. He goes, that's your gimmick, Mean Mike Casey. So I wrestled probably a handful of matches as Mean Mike Casey. And then later on, we did a tour down with Tyree Pride. He got, a, he got himself a money mark somewhere that paid for a tour of guys to go down to the Bahamas and wrestle. And we did probably a week down there, and he had uh, – Ox Baker, Tiger Conway Jr., uh, Chick Donovan, a bunch of other guys, local, local Florida guys too. But we went down there, and they renamed me the surfer boy, Harry Race, the nephew of Harley Race, which Harley knew nothing about, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> and I think that I only wrestled on that week tour in the Bahamas as surfer boy Harry Race. And uh, I was you know, kind of wrestling part-time and going to college part-time after that. And uh, I was trying to develop a gimmick. And uh, <clears throat> one day I was just thinking, um, I, as I went to college, I was in a fraternity. And these guys always like to come up with funny names because they knew I was training to be a pro wrestler. And uh, they came up with the name Rocco Gibraltar, which was a really cool name. And um, I tried to think of a gimmick that would go with it. And I came up with the idea was the G-Man, Rocco Gibraltar. And then what would the G-Man be? So I figured two things. It was either going to be a government agent, like a, an old G-Man, FBI agent, or the garbage man, Rocco Gibraltar. And as soon as I said that, it clicked. It worked perfect. The garbage man, Rocco Gibraltar. And uh, that's what I started wrestling as in Florida from that point on. And I immediately taped everything I did from, from there on out. I taped every single match. And I started building up this little library of Rocco Gibraltar matches. And uh, that's how I came up with the character. Yeah, that's how it was developed. Now, did anybody give you any inside information? Because I know at one point, uh, Vince back then, back when you first came about with WWE, he was huge on blue-collar characters. I, just from watching the product, I could tell what he leaned towards and what he got behind as far as who he was pushing his baby faces. Maybe not main event baby faces, but, you know, somewhere in the mix, you would always have a Hacksaw Jim Duggan or a Hillbilly Jim or, a, you know, those kind of guys, uh, which incidentally later he would tell me he wanted me to be a combination of those Hillbilly Jim and Hacksaw. But um, I knew that was something that he liked pushing. Uh, those blue collar type workers and the garbage man thing I thought was just a perfect fit because you could work babyface or heel. It would work both ways. So that's kind of what I went with and it, and it really kind of worked out for me. Very cool. So um, for those that don't know, uh, have never been to the dance, what was your first impression of working for the WWF? Because it's a completely different animal than an indie show and i'm not just talking about the crowd or the the production it's just everything in general it's a completely different animal were you comfortable with it uh i think i had some nerves but the thing about it was is i don't know by the time i i got a, a, an opportunity up there i think i had wrestled enough to where I didn't let the nerves get me at all, and I could shut them off pretty quick. Uh, but, yeah, it was a much bigger deal. They were very, very organized. You know, I mean, it was a top-notch production. And uh, from top to bottom, it was very, very well run. Um, but, you, you know, yeah, it, it, there were some nerves. Sitting in that locker room with all these guys I used to watch and, and uh, you know, going out in, much, in front of much bigger crowds – was an interesting thing. And then the first live TV, that was an interesting animal. But again, it's just a situation where if you're up there, you should be up there for a reason because you're one of the best and you should be able to turn it on when it's time as soon as you walk out those curtains. And um, a lot, luckily, I was able to do that. And, uh, you know, I didn't let the moment kind of eat me alive, which I've seen happen to many guys. Mm -hmm. They get out there and freeze. And uh, I wasn't going to let that mess up my opportunity and uh so i was up to the challenge and uh yeah as soon as i walked out them curtains i was on and, and, and so it's interesting you... i think that you know you said how organized it was i think that's the main reason why they were able to come back 
after being beaten up by WCW so badly for so many uh, weeks in a row was Vince always kept everything tight. He kept everything very organized. Unlike Eric. Especially his wallet. He kept that real tight. Because yeah. <laughs> I, 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 when I first got to WCW, I was amazed at how disorganized it was. I mean, there were 18 different people that would come up and tell you what you were doing that day, and they would all say, oh, don't listen to that other guy. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. That's the worst. That is the worst when you don't have good leadership and the whoever's on top is not delegating authority properly. And, uh, you know, people are just things get mustered up that way and messed up. And um, I, you know, I I went there for a tryout and it seemed pretty disorganized uh, just in comparison to WWF at the time. But, uh, yeah, you just can't work under those conditions. You know, that's why I would always if I ever found something like that happening in the WWF, I would just go right to Vince and I go, what do you want me to do? (laughs) So, you know, but I didn't have to do that very often because it was pretty well plain and simple. And, uh, they had one agent in charge of a certain situation and they would handle it. So as I remember from, because right before you got actually start working for Vince, there's a little bit of a backstory on how you actually met Vince. Yeah. I, you know, I've told the story. I was, I I created this library of tapes, and uh, what I did is me and my brother sat in his living room one day and pieced together a promo video, uh, a highlight reel and a match and a promo, and um, we used two VCRs and a bunch of VHS tapes, and I went through piece by piece and looked all through each tape all the way, and each move I thought I wanted to use, I would write down the counter number (laughs) every time. And so we went through and I went through the whole and I created a script for this highlight reel. And we went and created the whole thing. Anyway, I made a bunch of promo packages. My plan was to drive the country and get a job at one of the last few surviving territories because they were being eaten alive at that time. And they were pretty much gone. And uh, I was working on in Miami. I was finishing college, working at a beach club overnight as a watchman. Uh, and the members were like these rich people on this island. And uh, I just remember I was reading the paper at, the, at work one day. As I was getting ready to quit, I'd already given my notice. And I was reading the paper. And it was talking about the steroid scandal and how they interviewed Hulk Hogan at some convention in Miami Beach Convention Center, incidentally, which is the same place I watched WrestleMania 1. And uh, at the very last part of it, it, there was a sentence that said, Vin- Vince McMahon, who was also in attendance, had no comment. And I realized at that moment, Vince was in Miami, Florida, and this was an opportunity. So I told my boss, and he said, well, you know, so-and-so here is an executive at Channel 2, one of the members. So they called him, and he brought me his credentials. And I put on a suit, I put his credentials around my neck, and I walked in like I was supposed to be there. Otherwise, you would have had to pay like, I don't know, 500 bucks to get in. And uh, I just walked right in and and, uh, walked right to the WWF booth and walked right up to Vince McMahon, shook his hand. He may have thought I was an executive for a minute and that he realized pretty quick I was there to pitch him and ask for a job. And that's what I did. And uh, he asked me a few questions. And then I got the hell out of there. (laughs) And they (laughs) called me. He had J.J. Dillon call me a week later, about a week later, yeah. That's that's pretty cool, man. I love that story. Just kick the doors open like you own the place and go get what you want. Yeah, and I just didn't give myself time to think about it. Because if I would have sat there thinking about it, I probably could have talked myself out of it. You know, came up with a bunch of reasons why I shouldn't do it. But because everybody was, you know, <clears throat> Chief J. Strongbow used to call Vince the emperor. Everybody was scared of Vince McMahon. You just didn't go up to him and talk to him. I mean, that's kind of the way it was, you know, especially if you were some new guy or whatever. And not in really in working form yet, <clears throat> but I just did it. I didn't give myself time to think about it. It was basically overnight. I found out he was there the next morning. I was walking through the front doors, so it just kind of fell together really well. Yeah, my uh, my meeting with the old man was the same way. They were doing a uh, pay per view in Richmond. It was Austin versus Undertaker, and I walked in there, kicked the doors open like I own the place. 
and just stood in back and people were walking by and looking at me and I just I waited for the old man to come by and I was like walked right up said sir I'd like to have a job and the look on his face was kind of surprised like you know who is this guy just coming up to me and he's like well kid you got some balls and he goes where are you at now and I said well I'm in WCW I hate it they're not going to give me a chance I want to come work for you and he said well go talk to Jim Ross and uh, shook his hand, thanked him for his time, walked over and said, Jim Ross, uh, Vince told me to come talk to you about getting a job. And JR looked at me and said, <laughs> Vince told you to come to me? Okay. Yeah. Send your tape to Stanford, Connecticut. And I was like, ah, that's dead. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like JR, all right. The, the killer of dreams. <laughs> but no. But uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like there was any communication between Vince and JR on that deal. Uh, but it doesn't surprise me. I, I saw that a lot. You know, I, I remember I was up there at the office one day. Um, I can't remember whose office I was in. It was talent relations. And there was just this stack of tapes in the corner on the ground. And I was like, that's all the promo tapes? And like, yeah, those are th- this week's that we've looked at, you know. So, yeah, a lot of people were sending in tapes and stuff at that time. Um, you know, I was just very fortunate that i don't the the stars aligned properly on that night and that day and i walked up to him i caught him alone i caught him in a good mood maybe i don't know i had a really good gimmick idea uh the way i put the package together you know it all just kind of came together because most of the time the way that he sent you to jr is the way that they would handle people i saw it so many times so yeah that's just kind of how the business is though Yep. And yeah, sometimes the direct approach is the best way because, and I'm sorry to cut you off because we were just talking to uh, Richard Tyson the other day. So <clears throat> he's one of the stars from Kindergarten Cop and also in Three O'clock High. When his approach was sneaking into the mo- the um, movie um, industry lots, getting by the security, going straight to the producers and directors, and hey, I, I'm Richard Tyson, blah blah blah. Get, can I get a job? And he's like, get the hell out of here. He kept doing it and doing it. Persistence was key. And nowadays, when DeVore and I, we no longer get tapes. It's one of the things. They send us the resume and the email. They say, I'm so-and-so. Work here. Here's a link to my matches. This is just as good as tapes. But then you have those to say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I go, look, I have no promo pictures. I have no matches. He goes, oh, yeah, just look me up on Google or Facebook. You'll see my matches. Yeah, you That's go down how business research. is done today, brother. It <laughs> boggles my mind. Yeah. Yeah. You, <clears throat> some people don't understand the art of self-promotion. Uh, it is it. You, you got to know. <laughs> I mean, there's some things that are just common sense. You know, you want to have as much about yourself as you can and have it as ex- easily accessible to the person that you're giving it to as possible. <clears throat> Excuse me. And not have them go Google you. That's kind of ridiculous. Google me. Yeah. <clears throat> My other favorite, my other favorite is when I ask them for a backstory, who their character is, and they just they give you that blank look. Uh, I'm a fighter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, aren't we all? I'm a wrestler. Okay. (laughs) So, brother, this is one of my favorite stories, and I can't wait to hear it again. You're wearing that wonderful (laughs) shirt that you sent us. Life's a botch, and you're press slamming. The COO wasn't the COO at that point, but no, he funny wasn't. how life turns out. But it, you know, you're press slamming the COO Triple H himself, and it's been a long-standing thing ever since I first met you about this. So, for the folks that don't know, give them the backstory on this. Well, it's an interesting story, and it had nothing to do with. Triple H, I really had no animosity per se towards Triple H. Uh, you know, I didn't like the click so much uh, sometimes. But anyway, what had happened was during this time, you know, I went through the whole thing where uh, I was trying to get a push and my contract was up and I was angry. And <clears throat> anyway, so to pacify me, they gave me the angle with Triple H. And, um, you know, we did the deal. I, I wanted to change my appearance. And uh, cut my hair and turn heel. And they agreed, they agreed, they agreed. And, uh, you know, I knew I was going to wrestle him, but I knew there was no way I was going to beat him because, 
you know, he's in the click. That's basically why it was as simple as that. Uh, <clears throat> but I told Vince, I said, I just want to get some revenge uh, and make it make sense, you know, kind of in such a way where I turn heel afterwards. He said, absolutely, yes, blah, blah, blah. Well, we got to the time before the uh, we did a pay-per-view together, uh, the, the In Your House, where I was wearing the green and gray dumpster outfit, Duke the dumpster outfit. And um, they gave me the finish like the night before and said, we're putting him over with a, with a screw finish. He's going to hit you with the can, the lid in the face and knock you out and pin you, which I thought was stupid. Because in our first match at the free-for-all, he hit me with brass knucks and he got disqualified. So <clears throat> this match, he wasn't going to get disqualified all of a sudden. Gorilla Monsoon wasn't going to come out, and I was just going to lay there and get pinned. And I, I didn't like it. And I told Vince I didn't like it. Uh, and basically, it culminated with Vince McMahon telling me, just show up like you always do with a smile on your face and do your job. And uh, I really had no response to that. Because he, you know, I had just signed a one-year deal. I was there, and I had nothing. I had no bargaining room <clears throat> at all, unless I was going to quit. And I wasn't going to do that, at least not at that point. So I went and wrestled him. We did the match. I threw Triple H all over the place at the In Your House match, and I beat him to death. And again, it wasn't any animosity towards him. It was just, I was pissed off. So then... I go back to TV, and I threw the stupid, I was so pissed, the office made that new dumpster outfit. I just threw it away and uh, went back to my old blue dumpster outfit, and I started, they put me right back to doing jobs for the new heels that came in, and they, to add insult to injury, I had to wrestle Triple H one more time on Monday Night Raw, and I had to do a straight job to him. I you know, he just pinned me straight up. No special finish, no nothing, no screw job. And I was just so pissed off. And all I could just remember thinking was, show up with a smile on your face. Show up with a smile on your face. So we're in this match, and we're just bouncing, bam, bam, doing it. And I'm I'm slapping the hell out of him, beating him into the – if you watch the match, I slapped, almost slapped the teeth out of his mouth. Uh, and I feel bad now because it wasn't against him. It was more against Vince. And Vince was out at ringside, which made it even worse. I was so <laughs> mad. At one point, I looked at Vince. I said, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Stupid. But anyway, it ended up with me pressing Triple H, looking directly at the hard camera. And I went, this big shit-eating grin <laughs> just for Vince McMahon. There's your smile. Wham! Slammed him on the ground. Small victories. But, you know, that's that That was the reason. My attitude was so bad at that point, and Vince knew it. It was just a matter. My days were numbered. <clears throat> you know, and I had a lot of regrets, and that was one of them. Acting unprofessional, especially with respect to Triple H. But, uh... You know, I was pissed off and I was immature and I didn't know how to handle rejection in the business. So that's how I responded. And I got a nice picture out of it now and a, a really good story and everybody laughs at it. So it's good. There you go. Now, do you know if uh, did you send a picture to Triple H not, or a, a shirt? Say, hey, you remember back when? <laughs> No, I haven't sent that quite yet. I'm working on that. It's going through the proper channels. My people are going to get with his people. Sure. And perhaps we're going to go ahead and expedite expedite that shipment. No, I'm going to fly under the radar as long as I can with this, because uh, yeah. as soon as I piss somebody off, I'm sure I'll get a cease and desist. And they love to send those around. Yeah. For guys that are barely making a few shekels on the road, they're going to... Send a cease and desist when they're making, you know, base salary of nine hundred thousand dollars a year. You got eleven. I don't know how they. I, I don't I know how they do it. Got a whole yeah. floor of people that that's all they do all day long is go find somebody to send a cease and desist letter to. Yeah, but they pick and choose. If you're in the good graces, man, you could be out there doing this thing and making T-shirts and making pictures and selling everything. But uh, yeah, you piss somebody off, and uh, they'll come after you. So, I mean, no. hell, if, if you could have, let's say there's hundreds of independent shows over a weekend, especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, how many doinks worked on a weekend? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, several doinks. And then some of those were horrendous costumes, horrendous wrestling gear. Uh, didn't even look anything like doink. 
I saw this one on YouTube with this doink wrestling uh, Heidenreich, and the doink was like 450 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't even a doink outfit, but they called him doink. It was like he went to the costume store and got some, you know, fizzle the clown outfit and put it on and called himself doink. It was horrible. So yeah, there's been there's been thousands of doinks. It's the gimmick that won't go away. No, it will not. As long as people can try to make a few bucks off of it, they will. <clears throat> nah, I see it's time. He's hitting he's hitting that point. So yeah. let's talk about time. I got that got physical cue. When you Put your outfits together. You want something that's going to be the showcase of your outfit. You want a centerpiece that people can come up and go, wow, where'd you get that? And for us, it's a watch. The watch is a centerpiece of any man's repertoire when he walks out there. You want to get that notice. And people are going to look at this watch and they're going to go, man, where in the hell did you get that watch? Well, it's an Invicta watch. Invicta watches. They are... An amazing timepiece, to say the very least. Uh, I always have an Invicta watch with me, 52 millimeter. Diego, I know he has a bunch of Invicta watches himself. And as a matter of fact, he even buys them for his lovely fiance to get those brownie yes. points. And we're going to tell you where to get your Invicta watch today. You go to ucwforever.com, go down to the partners page, and click on that Invicta banner. And right now they got great deals running on all the watches that you can imagine. They've even got a clearance for gently used as Diego would put it. So once again, ucwforever.com. Go to the partners page, click on Invicta, and get the watch that you want. Absolutely. And I sent you a link the other day for that Facebook uh the Invicta Holics page. The Invicta Holics, man, those watches in there are crazy. Three points of diamonds, and it almost looks like John Cena's spinner belt. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that, man. But yeah, so going back a little bit right before, and I know before you joined Vince, so we talk about either your number one or your number 500 on the PWI scale. So those are the two most memorable numbers. So you, and I don't recall the year it was, but I know that you were. At one point, the PWF 500, Mr. 500. So how did that come to be? Because I know a lot of the wrestlers, they, more wrestlers buy PWI at that time than actual subscribers because they wanted to see what's going on. So how did that come about? <clears throat> yeah, definitely one of, if not the most popular wrestling magazine at that time. It was 1993. Again, it was real close mm -hmm. to the time where all this other stuff was coming together. I was wrestling as Rocco Gibraltar, the garbage man down there. I was putting together a lot of tape and create getting ready to create promo packages and um you know getting ready to graduate college and all that and all this was coming together and i was wrestling on a local show down there at the i believe it was the prime Corey league a baseball diamond which we did once a month or so i think it was one of those shows and uh there was a guy that worked with us he wrestled as bobby rogers the nephew of buddy Rogers or the grandson of buddy rogers or something um it was no relation but he really knew a lot about the inner workings of the wrestling business. Like, for example, he was the guy that told me at your tryout, they'll give you two matches over two days. And uh, the first day, they'll put you on first thing right away real early. They'll tell you, you're going on real early, be ready, and they'll put you on. The next day, they'll tell you, you're going on real early, be ready to go. And then they'll make you sit and wait almost all day, all night long in the taping before they send you out there for your dark match to test your attitude. Uh, and that was exactly what they did. And he was the one that told me that. So anyway, this is the guy that came up to me and he said, listen, uh, you know, Bill Apter, right? And I said, of course, everybody knows Bill Apter, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. He said, yeah, they have this top 500 thing. And I said, okay. And he goes, um, they were interested in making you number 500, which I kind of looked at him funny and like, okay. He goes, you see, the thing is, it's a gimmick. You know, everybody remembers number one. And then they remember number 500, and uh, mm -hmm. they want to give you that, that 500 gimmick spot. <clears throat> so I said, yeah, sounds cool to me. You know, no problem. You know, they didn't interview me or anything like that. Uh, I think maybe they got some 
stats from him or something. Maybe he was the go-between, but they did the little thing, and I was on there, and I think they just put me in as the garbage man. That's all they put, the garbage yep. man. Um, then, fast forward just a little bit to my tryout and everything, the way it went down, meeting Vince, getting, uh, getting the call, going for the tryout. It was really close to when I was in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So interestingly, all of a sudden, they wanted to take the credit for getting me uh, a tryout with the WWF. So they wrote this whole article about uh, how the people were chanting 500 at my tryout, which was not true. They didn't even know anything about it, probably. But uh, they they wrote this whole article how you know they were responsible for me getting the look with Vince McMahon and and all that stuff, which I didn't care. It didn't matter. But uh, it was just funny. But no, they didn't have anything to do with it. It was just a coincidence. And it all just happened at the same time. Like I said, a lot of the stars aligned or something, man. Everything just kind of came together. The tape, the promo tape came together. It was amazing because, you know, now you've got computer programs where you just tap a button and it syncs up, you know, highlight and music and stuff. Mm-hmm. We just laid this rap song, uh, Cool Modi, I Go to Work. We just laid it over the top of the highlights. And it just, by luck, landed on a lot of high spots where it would hit. Boom, boom, boom with the music. And it just seemed like we did it on purpose. Matter of fact, Shane McMahon came up to me and said, who did your tape? I said, me and my brother with two VCRs. He just looked at me. But a lot of stuff about that whole whole time, man, just came together, like, perfectly. So, uh, you know, it just happened the way it did, and I was really thrilled. But, yeah, Pro Wrestling Illustrated was part of that. It just was another part of all the stuff that was happening right there at that time for me. That's an interesting song choice. So who was the Kumo D fan? Was it you or your brother? I'd say both of us, but me more so. Yeah, really? I liked rap. Grew up down there in Miami, Florida. Um, yeah, we grew up in Miami, Florida. We went to a junior high school. It was called Richmond Junior High School. It was in the middle of a not-so-good part of town. And, uh, you know, it was rap was the music of choice. And uh, But we liked rap. We enjoyed listening to rap. And that's when it first really started. People were making mixtapes, cassette tapes back yes. in those days. Cassettes were the new thing then. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I don't, again, that's just another thing. It was, I, I, I heard the song. I liked the song. It was a hard-hitting, really good rap song. He talked about a bunch mm-hmm. of different types of work. It kind of fell into me being a working man, blue-collar gimmick. And uh, it was a good rap music, and it just worked perfectly with the highlight reel. So, again, it all just came together, man. That's very cool. I would have never pegged you for Kumo D, man. That's the real old school. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. LL Cool J. Yeah. yeah the whole Back beef with day. him and LL, that was classic. Yeah. Yeah, way back in the Yo! MTV rap days and before that even. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was back when music was music. Now it's all cookie-cutter crap. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like the wrestlers of today. They they all look the same. They all dress the same. They've got the I'll same the tattoos. Same. They've got the same hair. Yeah. Yeah, I, get, I just want to get my spot in, brother. <laughs> yeah. That's I got to get my shit in. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, how the business has changed. You know, I remember back in the day, uh, we used to do, you know, you know, doing those 10, 15, 20 hour one way drives it is <laughs> yeah. for a hot dog and a handshake. And pretty you know, much this generation has got so much more because back then when we were doing those drives, all we had was coffee and maybe a latte, if you will. Uh, but today's generation, they've got energy drinks out the wazoo. And the number yeah. one energy drink on the planet right now is Rogue Energy. And it's an amazing, this drink was actually uh, designed for gamers. Because, you know, they love to get up on that game console and sit up all night long hitting them games. And so, this is actually a powder drink. It's not in a can. You mix it up with your shaker. And the, the funny thing, the first thing that I noticed right off the bat about Rogue was the taste. It t- almost tastes like a glass of Kool-Aid. And it's unlike any other energy drink I've ever drank before. You get that energy high, and it sustains all day long. And But the thing, you don't get that crash. 
like if you drink a Red Bull or Monster. And for our listeners today, Diego's going to give them the deal of a lifetime. Diego, give them the deal. Absolutely, Mr. DeVore. For our faithful listeners, you get 10% off. But you got to use this code, Diego and DeVore Show. All one words. Diego, shift seven with a squiggly line, DeVore Show. And you get yourself 10% off. And the popular thing right now, and his lordship always drinks out of the Patriot Shaker Cup. And it comes in a six-pack different flavor, so <clears throat> you might like one flavor more than the other because I, you know, I'm more of a fruit punch kind of guy. But I know you turn heel on me, and now you got like some other flavor. Yeah, man, what's going I did on? That heel turn, man. I went for the pineapple, and the peach tea is amazing. And the best part about it is, so many of these uh, flavors they have, they come in a zero sugar added uh, gimmick. So if you're like me and you're diabetic. It's perfect for us because I can drink this and it's not going to affect your uh, blood sugar level. You're not going to get the uh, little tingles in your feet, if you will. Uh, so Rogue Energy, go to ucwforever.com, go to the partners page, click on that Rogue Energy banner, enter in the promo code Diego and Divorce Show, and you're going to get 10% off of your purchase today. That's so, very good, man. You get you get so much better at this now. I'm I trying. Think you had a- man. <laughs> it, it's 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 the weirdest thing cutting a promo to a little white dot on your laptop. <laughs> That's all right. You know, it's not like because I always have a hard time memorizing stuff like that. We, you know, usually a running call, but damn, you're getting a lot better, man. I appreciate that. you. Remind me of a young not to do Mark- a Rock Richards. <laughs> oh, for God's sakes, here we go. So, That's you know, a piece of garbage. You know what I was talking <laughs> Rock Richards is a piece of scum, scum of the earth. You know, I was going to, just to be an asshole, I was going to text him today and say, How do you feel about coming on a little bit later today and just hash this out, all four of us? But, you know, we'll talk about that another day. We'll save that for a bonus episode. Yeah, we'll save that for down the road bonus episode. So, the. People might not know Rock Richards. He's an independent wrestler. Good guy. Uh, is that what he very is? Nice guy. Does he wrestle? <laughs> Does he wrestle really? <laughs> and I was sitting there on the old Facebook machine one night, and all of a sudden, Duke was lighting this guy up like a Roman candle. And I sat back and I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> and I mean, you pulled nothing. And I was like, wow. And then it was like a, a pack of wolves jumped on top of it. And uh, the, when we did this episode the last time, you weren't aware of it, but you have actually made him an internet legend because Rock Ridgers is in the Urban Dictionary. And it's all because of you. Now, what I want to know wild. is, are you charging him a booking fee now? Uh, I'm going to need to, I'm going to have to send him a cease and desist order. Uh, yeah, you know, rock Richards, I, I didn't know who he was. And, um, one of the, one of those guys, one of the, one of the cronies that goes by Yokozuna, you know, during one of my early trash cam lives, which I do on Saturday evenings, I'll do it after this show, actually at 6 PM central time. Uh, I was doing one of my early trash cam lives where I just get on the, facebook live and just talk to fans and answer questions and somebody out of the blue that i never heard of before named yoko separate word zuna sent me a question uh why is rock richard such a piece of garbage and all he really wanted me to do was read the question out loud and i read it out loud he didn't say that he just sent me the question but not knowing anything about any of this i read this question out loud and had this quizzical look on my face like, why is Rock Richards a piece of garbage? And then I said something like, I don't even know what that means. And the next thing I know, that little snippet of video was posted all over their their social media. Apparently, they went around anywhere they could, and they would ask any wrestler, like they asked Jerry Lawler at a meet and greet, what do you think, or why is Rock Richards such a piece of garbage? And Jerry Lawler goes, Rock Richards? Who's Rock Richards? <laughs> and they just bury this poor guy, Rock Richards, constantly. And uh, my whole thing is, man, I jump on board with these kind of deals with fans. When I see these little inner fights, like right now, my latest thing is uh, these 
people wrestling out of Florida, Ember Cato, a uh, female wrestler. Um, she's the queen of the dark web, Ember Cato, uh, IA, wait, AIWF women's champion. And her, I would say, manager slash ring boy, I call him a belt boy because all he does is carry her belt. But, uh, and I, he might be her, her boyfriend, I don't know. But uh, he and I just go back, and he, you want to talk about worse than the stuff I said to Rock Richards. <laughs> the stuff I say to this guy, El Nino, man, puts that to shame. And basically all I do is continuously go on there and hit on Ember Cato and tell her how much I love her and that someday she'll be mine and that we will wrestle together. And he gets so bent out of shape, he comes back and shoots back on me, and we go back and forth. And I just jump in these little in, internal like feuds that the fans have with each other, and they love it, and I enjoy it. It's fun. Oh, it, it's definitely funny. I, I I sat there and I watched that whole thing with Rock Richards grow, and I was like, "Holy crap! You're making this man famous just by a quip on the internet." And it's all I had to do was just post something and tag Yokozuna. And Rock Richards, and within seconds, the comments would be like a mile long. I said, I would even say, I'm just gonna, I am just going to tag Rock Richards and Yokozuna and watch the the sparks fly, and that's what would happen. That's exactly what would happen, and it would just go at it, and then I would jump in and throw some jabs and jump back out. Well, how did Rock take this? Because you know, Rock's not he doesn't hold things back on the internet either. He's a uh, he'll post some stuff too. Yeah, he's an amateur though. He ain't funny. <laughs> he ain't got he ain't got no snap skills. He ain't got nothing. He tries to be funny and I'm like, ooh, good one. You've been saving that one for about a month. He ain't got nothing. So uh yeah, you know. Well I gotta say I really enjoy the one with Nino. I mean, you that that poor man. Um I think it was either the <laughs> second call, or the call, third time like that a, I saw it. A rotten pear with with uh, with toothpicks sticking out of it, he looks like a <laughs> a, a, a homeless uh, a homeless car washer with, and he looks like he smokes doobies all day long. It just it pisses him off to no end. But it's all all in good fun. So, uh, when did you retire officially? Well. Uh, let's see. I left the WWF. I went back to Florida for a while. <clears throat> and then the drug use got really bad. And I was working for the company that I worked for before I went to WWF. It was the Sunshine Wrestling Federation. And then they had turned into FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling. And they even had a TV, uh, a TV station behind them. It was a Spanish station. Cisneros was the company that paid for us to have a warehouse i had a salary it was crazy and i had a wrestling ring and i was training students and but i was doing drugs so it was really hard to keep it together i was barely functioning and it just got to the point where things got so bad they had to fire me from that place they and the day they fired me from there i was like the how the nerve of these people to fire a former wwf wrestler but you know that was just all the delusion i was living in because i was so on drugs and I ended up leaving there, and I just spiraled out of control and didn't wrestle again. I don't think I, I, that was right around the time before I got fired. I went and did WrestleMania 17. So after that, I didn't wrestle again until you know when I did that meet and greet in 2018 and started touching base with the fans again. Between those times, that was probably it. So about 2001 was probably the official, you know, officially the year that I stopped everything and I really went off the grid in terms of wrestling and this is as the internet was still just developing so i disappeared and a lot of the internet and definitely social media stuff passed me by while i was still kind of on this self-imposed exile uh so it was very interesting to come back and kind of jump into the fold with all this stuff but yeah that was when i i think it was 2001 when when i got fired from Florida Championship Wrestling, which I think Vince would later buy the name from them. Um, yeah, that was it. I, I was that 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 was officially when it had gotten really bad, and I just went off the rails even worse. So now that you're back in the independent scene, um, do you find yourself liking it more than you did the first go around? Because I've always enjoyed the independent um, 
companies because it's more intimate. You can you can not only do more in the ring, do what you want to do, but you get to spend time with fans that you wouldn't necessarily get to do otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy. I'm, I don't know if I'll be wrestling anymore now. I I went back to wrestling for a while, and I, uh, it created a, an issue with. See, I had my left foot amputated in 2013 as it was basically the tail end of all the drugs and stuff and the craziness. But, um, so I had a prosthetic leg and my stump when I was wrestling, it was just really wearing and tearing on the end of it real bad to the point where it got infected really bad. And I mean, it got infected so bad that literally two days ago was nine months since I've had the surgery and I still don't have a new leg because I'm still healing from it. Uh, I've had setbacks and issues with it. Um, even though I'm trying to do everything right, I haven't, I haven't done anything to cause it. It was just, it got a bacteria in it. It was just crazy, but everything's, it's almost done healing now. But because of that, I don't think I will get in there and jump around and run spots and go flying out of the ring and land on my feet. That was one of the big ones. I would jam my, the stump into the bottom of the prosthetic leg and created a contusion and an abscess, but I probably, but I'll still do the meet and greets and go meet people. And I'll do, <clears throat> I call them walk-ins, you know, I'll do a run in, but I, I actually walk because I can't really run with a prosthetic, but I go out and I'll hit somebody in the head with a can and that'll be my spot. And then I'll go back and sign at the meet and greet table. Uh, <clears throat> that's basically what I do now. I keep it simple, but as much interaction with the fans as I can. Uh, and, and that's something I think you see as well. It translates onto the social media. I, I do enjoy interacting with the fans. And I'm just having fun with it this time. The shows, the meet and greets, meeting the fans. It's just fun. There's no expectation behind it. I'm not trying to get rich off of anything. You know, we're doing which we're, I'm doing the podcast now, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a little bit. And uh, I'm just having fun with it. I, I, I'm not putting too much behind it like, you know, worrying about what is it going to be. I'm just living each day and enjoying it for what it is. Uh, that is what all the trials and tribulations have done. They have humbled me. And uh, it has made this this sort of second go-round, being involved in the business to the limited extent that I am, it has made it very enjoyable. <clears throat> well, since you mentioned it, let's talk about this podcast because mm -hmm. I love your podcast and I love what you're doing with it because... You do talk a little bit of wrestling here and there, but you have a much different uh, goal with this. And so let's talk about it that a little bit. Yeah, my, my podcast is called The Road to Recovery. And initially, I wanted to do a podcast about substance abuse recovery, coming back from drug addiction, obviously, because of my personal experience. And then I thought about it and I said, OK, but that would be limited. And uh, so I, I decided I wanted to do a podcast about recovery from substance abuse and alcohol, but also just from any tough situation that people have come back from, whether it's an injury, a bad relationship, um, gambling addictions. You know, we talked about sex addiction the other day. Uh, we talk about all kinds of subjects. And um, nothing's off limits, you know, and we, we talk about things in a very respectful manner, but we also have a lot of fun. There's parts of the show that are great fun. I'm doing it with a guy named Avi Klein. Avi Klein has become the new godfather of wrestling podcasts, I think. He's going to take over the world. He started with a podcast named Wrestling With Anything But, and he has recently just opened it up, and he has six, no, seven podcasts a week in six days uh, he does two a week with uh, Ray Lloyd Glacier. He does one with Paul Roma. He does one with the Patriot Del Wilkes. Uh, he does one with Bill DeMott. And he does one with Don Morocco, yeah. which I got to be a guest on. Man, talk nice. about cool. I got to be a guest on that show. And then, of course, my podcast. So it's six different people, seven shows a week, and he's adding stuff every day. You know, I do the Trash Cam Live on Saturdays. We're talking about starting a new podcast that's based more on the idea of what the Trash Cam Live is. A whole lot more fun and, and you know, mixing it up with fans and, and more comedy uh, and doing that as well. So that, that, that'll be coming down the pike probably pretty soon. Uh, but it's just a lot of fun. Uh, we, we do talk a lot of recovery and serious issues. The fan, it has been amazing how the fans have just jumped right on board and how much they share of their personal experiences has blown me away. You know, a lot of times people are uncomfortable. 
But uh, it seems to be a place in this podcast each week uh, on Fridays. They they come in and they open up their hearts and souls, man, and it's awesome. It's all good stuff. <clears throat> but it's Fridays at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Central. It's on Facebook Live on my uh personal facebook page mike Drosy. it's also on avi klein's facebook page it's also on all the other podcasters in our family it's on don morocco's page it's on all of our podcasts are on each other's <clears throat> facebook pages when they go live so you can go to any of our pages if you're friends with any of us on social on the facebook and you can scroll down and see uh past episodes as well <clears throat> but mine is road to recovery i call it the podcast with a purpose Again, it really seems to be catching on. We're getting tons of viewers. Um, we're getting ready to make some moves, you know, maybe Twitch, maybe do some Patreon stuff as well. You know, we're just building a following. And again, the main deal is I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. And uh, the people seem to be enjoying it, too. Uh, it is a passion of mine. That's why it seems to be so easy for me, I guess. Um, but we're just loving it, man. We're having a blast. Yeah, and I got to say, it, it's like uh, you made a joke about him being the godfather, but I think he truly is. I mean, he's gaining serious numbers out there. But the thing that I like most about all of that is you talked about we're all on each other's pages, and that's true because I see you sharing uh, Don's. I see you sharing Dale's, and, and they share yours as well. It's It's a family, and that's a really cool thing. Yeah, we work together. We are supporting each other. It is just like a family. You know, we're all, <clears throat> we've all been around the block in this business. And, uh, you know, we were all, you know, in those shark infested waters or, you know, kill or be killed and all that. And this is something different, man. Avi has put together. And I think it, it, Avi Klein has collected a group of individuals with certain characteristics about them on purpose. Uh, guys that carry themselves a certain way. They're not full of themselves. They're not greedy. They're not, they don't have attitudes. Everybody's on board and willing to work. And like you said, man, we're willing to share each other's stuff and we go on each other's podcasts. Um, you know, I, I went on Don Morocco's again and man, I, I'm going to say that. I, I can't believe it. I keep saying it out loud. I saw but it. It, was such it a looked thrill. like you were marking out and I said, you know what? Good for him Dude, because you got to have that mark out so. moment. I okay. would too. I did. And, uh, you know, Dell Wilkes came on mine and it was really cool. Uh, and we've done each other's I'll, you know, hopefully I'll get to go on some of the other guys. I'm sure I will. And they can come on mine, but yeah, man, we support each other. That's why it's, it's, it is slowly, but surely gaining, uh, popularity and is becoming as successful as it is. Uh, because we're in this for the right reasons, man. We're not just doing, I just told Avi today, we were talking about the show yesterday's show he told me what the numbers were just on the live view. And I said, man, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled, but I don't keep track of that stuff. I let you keep track of that. You tell me, I'm just going to show up and be me and do this podcast and have a blast. <clears throat> All the rest of that stuff. We'll decide if something's working or not. If you tell me the numbers aren't good, we'll do something different. But if they are good, we'll keep doing it and keep building. Uh, but I don't get wrapped up in all that. Uh, I know a lot of people do, but I don't think maybe any of us in this podcasting family get wrapped up in all that. Again, we just show up. We put on the best show possible. We interact with the fans in a true, genuine way. And we just have fun with it. And that's why it is, it is being, it's becoming successful. So we're, we're all having fun with it, man. That's cool, man. That is so cool. And uh, where can the fans uh, catch not only your podcast, uh, but all the ones Don Morocco? Uh, is it strictly on Facebook? Is there a social link that the fans need to find? Man, uh, he was just telling me today that it's on a bunch of other platforms now, but I'm going to tell you right now, it is still on all of the private Facebook pages. So Don Morocco's private Facebook page. Avi Klein has all of them. Uh, well, you can see all of them on my Facebook page as well. Uh, Ray Lloyd Glacier, his Facebook page. Uh, Del Wilkes, the Patriot, his Facebook page. Bill DeMott. Uh, I don't know what his Facebook page is, though. It's Bill and maybe his wife's name. Bill. I and think so, yeah. Something DeMott. Uh, his page, uh, Paul Roma's page, everybody's page carries everybody's podcasts and Avi posts 
every day about something and he always gives he always gives details on what's going on and where we're moving to and where you can find us if we're changing anything so if you go you start on facebook and you will find us and you can come along for the ride there you go now when you're doing your merchandise uh you were so kind to, to give us some merchandise uh where can the fans get the duke the dumpster drossy merchandise and and here's the kicker, folks. Not only will Duke get you this merchandise, but he'll personalize it as well. Yeah, you know, I've been doing everything through Facebook, and it's worked really well. People just, I, I get messages of people that aren't even on my friends list. They just message me and, and ask me for details on stuff. Uh, I'm doing everything on my Mike Drosy private Facebook page. I call it private, but it's open to everybody it's a public facebook page but it's um my personal it started as my personal facebook page back when i had 175 friends up until 2000 and uh 2018 <laughs> and then things changed but uh that's where everybody can find you can always message me and i will message you back uh very quickly um but yeah you go to mike drosy on facebook uh message me get on the comments and and hit me up and i'll message you uh, and I'll send you pictures of everything and what the, I've got great package deals that are, I call it Duke's big package deal. You can get Duke's big package <laughs> right. for a really good price. So you just hit me up on messenger, you DM me and I'll give you a big package, but no, <clears throat> yeah, you just, you get in touch with me and there's, there's great deals. Uh, people seem really thrilled with it. Um, and again, it's not about getting rich. I'm just kind of getting out there and interacting with the fans as part of the deal and uh, having a good time doing it. That's outstanding. And speaking of package, we just partnered with Amazon and it's, it's been a blessing. Uh, everybody shops on Amazon and you can, there's nothing you can't find on Amazon. And the way we've partnered with them is if you go to ucwforever.com, hit the partners page and click on Amazon, it's going to take you to Amazon just like you normally would go. It'll take you to your account shop however you want to shop what's going to happen is they've partnered with us we get a little bit of uh the purchase and it helps our podcast grow and helps us to not have so many commercials throughout the podcast and so we're extremely humbled and honored to be partnering up with amazon so once again go to ucwforever.com hit the partners page click on the gigantic amazon banner you can't miss it and do your normal shopping, and it's going to help us in the process. And we'd like to thank Amazon very much for uh, partnering up with us and thanking the fans for their support. Yeah, because I got on there the other day, so just to see how easy this would be. So I got on the UCW Forever site, clicked on the Amazon, signed into normally to Amazon. That was it. There's no nothing special. You don't have to write a special code or anything. It takes you straight there. You just do shopping as normal. Yeah, I was surprised at how easy it was because I figured, uh, you know, some of these uh, the things that you partner with, you got to have the promo code or you got to have a coupon or you got to do this, you got to right. do that. This is straightforward. Point, click, buy, and you're done. That's it. Easy, easy as one, two, three, as they say. Easy as one, two, three. There's no Rock Richards on this one. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't kick out on two. <laughs> So oh, come on. Is never kicked out. What are you talking about? <laughs> so what is the He's future the original hold job for you? squad? No. Rod Richards is like 75 years old wrestling in leather chaps in front of uh, people at a used car lot. So, <laughs> and I hope he sees this, Rock Richards. Oh, Someday I might I'm, come out We'll of make sure he gets tagged. <laughs> Please do. So what, what does the future hold for you? Continue doing the podcast thing. Uh, get back into, you know, it seems like these appearances are going to start opening up again. I got one on the 29th of this month up in Richmond, Indiana at a toy store, collectibles store up there. I don't know the name of it offhand. I'm terrible. I should have had it written down. But, um. You know, it looks like these things are opening back up. Maybe they're going to start some conventions again. Uh, there was some stuff that was scheduled for September that might be canceled. I think the really big ones are still not happening, but people are opening up and doing personal appearances in their private stores with some of the boys. And you also see people do online virtual signings with the wrestlers now, which I've signed up for a couple of those. 
so that's what's going on now. I'm still doing meet and greets. I'm still interacting with fans on social media. We're doing the podcast again tonight at uh, 6 p.m. Central Time. I'm doing my trash cam live. If you come over to my Facebook, you'll see it live and in living color. Uh, and uh, just, again, having a good time, man. Interacting with the fans, doing as many appearances as I can. Not wrestling yet. Hopefully I'll have a new leg within a month. I hope. And uh, we just keep going from there. We can't wait to see you back in action. Hopefully, you know, if you ever venture on our side of the coast, man, we'd love to have you over. Right on. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. As soon as the world gets back to some sense of normalcy and we're actually allowed to have live events again, we'll definitely bring you in so you can slap rock in the head with the trash can lid. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Awesome, well, mate. Once again, hey, we thank you. We apologize. We got to redo the show again, but you know, the way it was last week, you know, it was. I think it was everybody having issues. Uh, thank you very much again for being on our show again, and uh, we look forward to having you back. Hopefully, in the near future. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me on the show, and I look forward to seeing you guys again real soon. Sure thing. And once again, that's Duke the Dumpster Drossy on the Diego and Divorce Show. This time we got it right. So, Mister Divorce, if you can flex those. Platinum pipes. Oh, I'm, I'm taking home up to platinum. That's pretty cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Diego and Divorce Show. See, you jinxed me there. It's all your fault. Of course, I'll always blame you. We'd like to thank our special guest today, Duke the Dumpster Drossy, for his generosity and his time. And to all the listeners, listeners out there on iHeartRadio. Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your wrestling podcast of your choice. We thank you for your support here at the Diego and Divorce Show. Have a great day.